This is the Hunt Fish Conserve Podcast. Hosted by Ethan Evans and Tyler Swenson. And we're joined by Jackson Rice today. Jackson Rice, and we're also joined by Luke Stutzman today to talk about his latest experience elk hunting this season. So let's start off, Luke, about tell us a little about uh, where you're from, where you're located in the state. And um, So obviously I, uh, I grew up most of my young life with you guys in Lake Mills. And then uh, the summer before my freshman year, I moved out to Ranchester, Wyoming. Uh, went to school in Tongue River out there. Um, my town there has about 800 people. And then the school total has about, or the high school anyway, has like 130 or so. Um, so pretty small town. And then graduated from there. And now I live down in Southern Wyoming and Laramie. And I'm going to school at the University of Wyoming. So, Okay. So not that much of a population change from here in Iowa then. Oh no, no, not at all. The transition from the Midwest to out West, what was, what was that like, you know, in terms of the country, the landscape and, you know, just all of the new experiences involved in it? Yeah. Uh, well, obviously growing up there, there's a, it's pretty flat, a lot of corn, a lot of beans. Um, and when I lived there, my family did a lot of vacationing out West. We'd come to Wyoming, Montana. and I actually lived here for two years. Um, when I was like two years old, so oh really? Okay, yeah, we knew a little bit, little bit about the area. Um, and I don't think my parents ever told me, but uh, when we were doing those vacations and stuff, it was more so looking for a place to move when they were ready. Um, and so, yeah, you get out here, you know, and it's a lot of sage, a lot of rolling hills, and then of course you got the mountains, um, and different parts of the state too have a lot of different terrain, unlike Iowa, where it's flat. I mean, Southern Iowa, you got some hills there, but literally just corn and beans. <laughs> yeah. Still just corn and beans. So uh, yeah. here you got your flat, flat plains, and then there's places with hills and small mountain type areas. And then you got the big mountains too, especially over on the Western part. So, but you're loving it. Oh, I love it out here. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be really tough to go back. Waking up and seeing the mountains every morning is a tough thing to give up. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So did you hunt a lot in the Midwest, like when you were younger then or not as much? Um, probably not as much. Um, I always, you know, my dad and I would go pheasant hunting pretty much every year. I never really got into the waterfowl thing just because my dad didn't do it when I was pretty young. Um, but yeah, we do pheasant hunting and then we had, we had a great property to shoot deer. Um, but we, we really only, we lived there 10 years and only took two deer off it. So I didn't, didn't hunt too much. No. So how about like, what was that transition to like out West then? Was it like kind of like eye opening, like the new hunting opportunities out there? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Um, I would do, my dad and I did a couple hunts out here when I still lived back there. Um, I shot an antelope when I was pretty young. That was my first kind of kill out here and then uh we do an elk hunt we had some friends from when we lived here before and they had great uh, access to some mountain property so we did like uh we did two years where we did uh like an eight-day elk hunt out here um so i kind of knew a little bit what it was about um but still it was a whole bunch of learning on my own once i got out here 
So did those initial experiences kind of ruin hunting back home in Iowa for you or? Uh, no, no, no? not necessarily. Cause I was still pretty young, you know? So, okay. um, and when I had come out here the, the first year to do an elk hunt, I didn't even carry a bow. I didn't carry a gun. I didn't do any of that. I was just here for the experience to kind of yep. learn, you know? Um, so back home, uh, obviously we had that great property for deer and really all wildlife. Um, and I, I just didn't, I don't know if it was a time thing or, um, you know, I started working for my dad when I was like nine. So, well, I guess let me, let me start. What age were you when you moved out to Wyoming? Maybe I didn't catch that at first, but yeah, no, I was, I was 15. Okay. So you were still pretty young yet then. Yep. Yep. Right before, right before freshman year, I just kind of hunted back home when I had time, but a lot of the time because I live way out in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. Um, so a lot of that time, I just like being in town with my friends too, because I didn't get to experience that all the time. Yeah. And the property that we had required a lot of work every single weekend. So all you do, all you want to do is hang out with your buddies, you know, I know yeah, how exactly. that goes. Yeah. Yep. But it seems like as of lately, you know, as you get older and older, you really, really dive into hunting and, you know, all your friends kind of move away off to college. So really have more time to spend on hunting. So at least that's the case with me as well. I think that's kind of the case for all of us. And I don't know, you kind of like with different things, you know, like if you're not playing sports anymore, you kind of have to pick up a new passion. So, you know, for like us, that was kind of hunting in a lot of ways. So that was a big one for me too. Yeah, definitely. I didn't hunt a whole lot. I didn't even put in for an elk tag um, when I was in high school, just because, you know, you're in the middle of football season and basically our coach made it clear that if you, if you take off time from football to go elk hunt, you won't be playing. So <laughs> really? he, he, he took it pretty serious. Oh, wow. Um, what's the pressure like there in Wyoming for hunting elk? Talking about like human pressure? Yes. Yep. Um, it's honestly becoming more and more like I've noticed a big difference even since I moved here with the number of, especially out of state people okay. coming. Um, just maybe, maybe it's just the areas that I've hunted in, but, uh, I, when I went home, um, for a, a deer hunt earlier back up to Sheridan in end of October, I was just driving around cause we had a buddy there who was elk hunt too. And he was just kind of down in the flats, the foothills, the mountains there. And so I was driving around looking for deer, looking for elk. And there was, I think I counted 10 different, different states, like license oh, wow. plate pickups. So, um, it's, uh, become a lot more, more pressure in the last couple of years. Um, but it's not, it's really not too bad overall. Wyoming does a really good job of keeping keeping numbers high where they need to be high where the herds are big and then keeping them low where they need to be low. They do a really good job of that year to year. So, yeah. And that really does make a big difference for sure. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's jump into like, uh, this is your first bull elk you took this year, right? Yeah. Yep. It was my first any elk. Yeah. I'd never shot a cow. I'd never shot anything like that. So, um, yeah, it was kind of my, my first experience with, uh, getting an elk down and then the pack out and kind of all that stuff. So that's, that's crazy. How far of a, how far of a pack out was it? 
it really wasn't bad. It was a mile and a half back to the truck. Okay. Um, but it was pretty flat ground. So okay. it wasn't like a super steep uphill or downhill kind of back out, anything like that. The only thing that was tough about it was the area that we were in was a very like meadow area. So in the spring, most of it's underwater. So once it dries out, you get, you know, tracks from the moose and the elk and whatever else. So easy to roll your ankle on that kind of thing. And then there's also creeks that have dried up here and there that are now covered by grass. So you can't really see them. So that was, that was the only, uh, really tough part about it, I guess, just besides the fact that there's a lot of meat on an elk and <laughs> yeah, heavy yeah. pack out regardless. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you kind of want to like set the stage for us. Like were you guys backpacking in or was it like front country camping or, you know, was it just kind of like set the stage, like kind of talk about the whole trip in general and we'll kind of like just jet in when we have little interjections, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to back up a little bit to last year. Last year was the first year that I had drawn a tag and it was for a different area, which is north of Laramie. Um, and last year's hunt was very similar to what I was used to in those hunts with my dad when I came out. Um, you got really high points that you basically get up to right at sunlight and you glass from there and you bugle and listen. Um, and then once you spot them, you can kind of make a game plan from there. And there's plenty of open areas there and, you know, glassing is, is very doable there, I guess. And then this year I took one weekend and kind of went out and scouted. It was really hot. So nothing was moving till almost dark anyway. Um, but basically just took a weekend and drove and drove and drove on all the roads. Um, and the conclusion that I came to on that weekend is glassing is going to be really tough because there's only one part of this unit that has any kind of drastic elevation changes where you can get up high and you can glass. Um, and the rest of it's all really gradual elevation, which makes it easy for hiking, but it's also really, really packed full of trees. So yep. glassing was um, going to be rough with that. And also I was like, dude, I need a four wheeler. Like, there's about two main roads in here that you can drive your truck on. And the other ones you can drive your truck on, but it's not... They get a little iffy. Not, yeah, not going to be any fun. Um, and then uh, we kind of picked out these two meadows um, that we were like, yeah, you know, it'd be... They're right next to the main road, which made me skeptical. Obviously, you get a lot of pressure. And the weekend that I was scouting was... I think it was Memorial Day weekend. So everybody's up there camping and riding four wheelers and dirt bikes and doing all that stuff. So I was just like, God, you know, these meadows are sweet, but I just, I think that they're going to get a lot of pressure. So fast forward to opening weekend. Um, my roommate who hunted with me when I got my bowl, he was um, back in Sheridan. And so I was kind of up there by myself for the weekend. And originally I'd made the game plan to pack up all my camping stuff, basically everything I'm going to need, throw it in my truck, drive up there, set up a camp. And then I just stay there for two, three nights, whatever it was. Cause it was a long weekend. We got Monday off of school. Okay. 
And I got up there and I'm like, it's like a 45 minute drive. Like it's really not, not that far to just driving back and forth every day, you know? So I'd had my camp set up and I went out and I was in a different area that was getting a ton of pressure from four wheelers and everything else. And I was like, I just don't think this is where I want to be this weekend. So uh, I ended up loading everything back up that night, heading home, getting a good night's sleep. And then the next day, I didn't go out that morning. Um, I don't remember what that what that reason was, but I went out the evening and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to this meadow. It's not super far walk in. Like, um, So I did that, went and sat that area, didn't hear th- anything, didn't uh, see anything. Which when you're out there by yourself is a little bit discouraging because you're <laughs> yeah. in the middle of nowhere, no cell service, no, no nothing, you know. Um, and it was, it was also just a different kind of feel as to what I was used to with elk hunting because um, in the past I've always had people with me, and it's a almost a claustrophobia when you're in those areas that yeah. you can't see anything. It's got to be a little eerie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's kind of why I picked this meadow area because uh, you can see a ways and kind of go from there. So the first weekend was a bust. I didn't, um, I didn't ever hear any bugles. I did see one elk that first night that I was out there by myself um, in the meadow. Something to give you a little hope, anyways. Yeah, yeah. I was headed back to the truck actually, and this is the point that I realized that I was leaving too early, but, uh, got about halfway back to the truck and I was like, just, uh, scooting right across the center of the meadow. And I looked to my left, I was like, shit, you know, there's an elk. (laughs) So I hightailed it back to the edge of the trees and I got in, I think I was at 70 yards and I didn't know if it was a cow. I didn't know if it was a bull. I didn't know anything until I got to that point. I was like, okay, I see antlers. I don't know how big it is. He's still in velvet. Uh, which was a little bit weird for that time of year, but, uh, got into like 50, 55, I think I was like, okay. And I'm looking at him, you know, and I see that it's a spike, just little tiny yearling bull. I was like, ah, you know, it's opening weekend. Like I can't, I can't throw it away right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the longer I'm standing there, I'm like, dude, if he gives me a shot broadside at 40 yards, I'm probably going to shoot this thing. I'm half a mile from the truck by myself. You know? <laughs> yeah. like, I'm just going to go for it. So at that point I was like, ah, not really caring as much, not being careful. And I ended up bumping him out to like 70 and he was just standing there in the middle of the, the meadow. And I was on the edge of the trees. He knew I was there. Um, gives out a little warning bark and then he took off running. So that was, that was kind of the end of the opening. So were you like stalking this bull then? That one I was, yeah. Okay. It was a very, very slow stalk because that time of year, if you have one elk, there's probably going to be more. Okay. So I was being really cautious there. Um, just kind of seeing what he was doing, seeing what else was coming from where, like the direction he came from. Um, so yeah, that one I was... uh going after i guess real really slow being quiet and that kind of thing and you said the wind's really blowing there right or maybe it wasn't at the time at that time um i was really fortunate actually with the wind this entire fall it really hasn't been too bad except for the last couple of days here 
Um, last year in the unit that I was at, every single day at one o'clock, the wind would blow 30 miles an hour. So basically you have your morning hunt and you know, when the wind's not blowing, you can do go back and forth and you can get in close to and that kind of thing. Um, but then, yeah, when the wind starts blowing, you can't hear a bugle unless it's 50 yards away from you. So it made it really tough last year and really frustrating because it was on the dot every single day at one o'clock. So, so you didn't try calling that one little yearling in like you didn't try to cow call him at or anything or I, I no, I didn't because I was already so close that I didn't want to. And he thought once I knew that he was by himself, I didn't want him to like freak out and think that there was other ones that were really close to him. So I just kind of went at it slow. I didn't, I didn't do any calling, especially cause I hadn't heard anything prior to that. So that was your, that was your first weekend, right? Mm-hmm. So you had school the week after, and then you went out the next weekend. I mean, yes. same, same strategy, same spot. I mean, what did you learn from that past experience that put you into this success of this bowl you got? Um, so I guess the opening weekend, my main takeaway was, okay, you know, I thought that these, these meadows were getting pressure. Um, regardless if they are getting pressure or not, there's, there is elk here. Yep. Uh, the following weekend, my roommate was back in town. Um, we had made the decision to just drive out again and drive back that night. Um, so we did, we went back to that same, same meadow. And the first, first morning we got out of the truck and started walking in a ways and we could, we could hear them. They were finally making some noise at that point. Um, there kind of comes a point in the year, depending on, moisture depending on just a whole bunch of stuff as to when they start making noise that year. Okay. Um, so, and, um, I guess really the only way that I could think of hunting them in that area, that's thick, thick with trees, you know, was going to be calling, locating them, getting in close and then trying to call them, you know, within range. Yep. Um, so the year before, I hadn't done a whole lot of calling. It was more of a locate bugle, find out where they're at and then make a move because you could, you could usually see them. But this year was really get good at calling because that was going to be the main, main tool to get them in. I was going to ask like, uh, we can talk about this more later, but like, so do you practice a lot of your calling like, uh, bugles and stuff like that? Or did it come natural? Was it tough? Oh, it's def it's definitely tough. I use a read call and then a bugle tube. Um, and then just read calls for cow calling and that kind of stuff. So no diaphragm calls yet? Um, yeah, I use those two actually. I use those quite a bit. Um, Is that what you got, Ethan? Yeah, I got a diaphragm call, yeah. Okay. Do you, do you prefer one over the, uh, over the other? I prefer the diaphragm call, especially for cow calling, just because it's so, it's so easy and okay. it's so small and easy to... Uh, not not necessarily use, but um, it, it is easy to use once you learn how. I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it, it was it was a struggle there for a while, but I hadn't really taken it very seriously because going into this year, I was like, "Oh, it'll be like 
last year, you know, it's kind of the same mountain range, sort of um, going to be looking at the same kind of terrain. And yeah, that was not the case. So after that first weekend out scouting, I was like, okay, we need to, we need to do some practice. <laughs> yeah. Cause Ethan gave me a, you gave me a diaphragm just to try out. And I thought, oh, it couldn't be that hard. I stuck it in, you know, I stuck it in my mouth and I had no idea what I was doing. It sounded like hell. It's weird to get like the mouth positioning correct and like the tongue pressure. And like, it just like, honestly, like you kind of have to like work your tongue into it because it's like tickling your tongue and like everybody, it just isn't super comfortable at yeah, first. That is, that is the one thing that I do not like about that is when I, you know, first started on it, you know, it tickled my mouth so bad that it was just irritating. Yeah, that definitely makes it tough. Um, and I think that's just a, a positioning thing where it sits like if, uh, if it's tickling your tongue, you got it too far forward in your mouth. But then I got a buddy that he hates it because in order for it to not tickle his tongue, he's got it too far back and it's freaking gagging. I mean, he doesn't like <laughs> yeah. that either. So, <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. Yeah. It's definitely like a totally different type of call. Cause I mean, you guys are used to like goose call and tie and then you put a diaphragm in your mouth and it just like feels weird. Yeah. That's all. That's all I know is goose and duck calling and rice got, uh, when we hunt, hunted turkeys, you, uh, you had a diaphragm call. Yeah, for that, a diaphragm didn't you? call. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> yeah. You, you were pretty good at it. You got pretty. Yeah. Too bad. I don't hunt turkeys. I'll <laughs> never hunt a turkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rice had a bad ex well, we both had a bad experience hunting Just turkeys. Wasn't. I don't know. A lot of people say elk hunting's like turkey hunting. What they say? <laughs> That's like what the media guys say and oh, stuff. Yeah. No. <laughs> really? yeah, I don't know anything about that, I guess. Maybe we'll find out. How many of you guys are going out to Colorado? Well, just Ethan and I, we, tr we tried getting rice to go, but I gotta, I gotta work. He's yeah, got on that grind. Yeah. He, I've been grinding. He's got a job, unfortunately, or else I would have gone. It would have been really cool. Hopefully in the coming years, rice can build some points and yeah. draw some good tags. I'll just be back home. Waterfowl hunting. That's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's next weekend. Yeah. I'll have to find someone to waterfowl hunt with. Yeah, we're kind of abandoning him. Yeah, but that's all right. Bigger and better things. Yeah, it's for a good cause. Felt more comfortable hunting with a buddy. Do you find more success or hunting with another guy or, you know, being by yourself? Yeah. Um, when I'm in the flats and the foothills, um, it's nice to have another guy there to help spot. But um, I guess... Really, the majority of the hunts that I've had down there, I have more success by myself. Um, just kind of, you know, you you find them and then you just let your instincts go. And um, we actually do a hunt down in Arizona in early January. Um, it's me and my dad. And then uh, I don't know if you guys know Jacob Wilson. Yes. And, yep. and his dad. So we go down with them and we do an archery mule deer hunt down there. And down there, they allow radio communication when you're hunting. So I've gone down two years. The first year I wasn't hunting. I was just there yep. uh, for the experience. Last year I was hunting. And towards the end of the trip, we're like, once you're, you can talk your guy in, you know, you send, you got guys back spotting and then you send one or two guys out after the deer. Yep. We found 
we get into way more trouble and you spook them way more often when you're constantly on that radio. And we, we use a, we use a text radio. It's on a, on a talk thing. So obviously your archery hunting want to be quiet. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, once you get your guy in close and he has eyes on him, you just got to let him, let him do his thing. Let him use those instincts and yep. figure out what they're going to do. That's a best way to learn too. Oh, definitely. I feel like archery hunting in general is just a very humbling experience because you're always learning something or you're getting busted. And Absolutely. That's, that's exactly why I love it so much. It's hard for me to pick up a rifle now. Like I've just fallen in love with archery hunting for sure. And there's only one way to get better at it. You just do it. You yeah. Know? You just got to be out there. Yeah. That's for sure. Cause you know, I was, uh, the first deer, well, the only deer I've shot with a bow, I was shaking so bad. It was, I mean, it wasn't anything huge either. It was just a little fork buck and, but I was so excited to actually see some, I was shaking so bad. And now the nerves have calmed down a little bit. I don't, I'm not as bad, but the first deer I saw this year, I was shaking pretty bad. That's a good yeah. point. I mean, I think everybody is like, you just shoot what gets you excited, you know? Yeah. I, st- I mean, like I still get excited if I draw back on a doe or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just the, I mean, I even credit a lot of my obviously experience and what I've learned to those hunts with my dad that I come out here and I didn't even have a bow in my hand, you know, just being in it. And, um, especially those hunts in Arizona, you know, those are, I prefer when I'm down there to spot and stalk. A lot of guys will sit a water hole, but when I'm down there, I love the intensity and the just getting up close and personal with those deer when you're out there spot and stalking, like the fulfillment that you get when you're like, damn, I actually made it from a thousand <laughs> yeah. yards to 50. Even, even if the buck's gone and you're just 50 yards from a doe, you're like, I made it all the way here. Yeah. Yeah. That's really exciting. Today, you know, today I was out bow hunting this morning and this little buck walks by and I was, I was going to stock it. And I, I had my bow drawn back on it and I was like making noise at it, like, man, trying to stop the thing. And it was just nose down. It must've been, uh, hot on a doe trail. And I was like screaming at the thing and it just kept walking. Like it wasn't even there to get back to your bull elk. How far did you shoot it at? Um, so we were on that, that second weekend, right? Yep. So, um, we, like I said, we, uh, got out there and we had heard them and we found this trail that we knew they used every single morning and every single evening to get down into the meadows where there's water. Um, so we're chasing them basically up the mountain cause it's, you know, getting light at, I think it was like right at like 620, 630 or something in there. Okay. Um, so we're chasing them up and most, actually every single time that I've ever hunted elk and they're bugling and making noise like that, they'll bugle till 10, 10 30 in the morning and then they'll go and they'll bed down and be quiet for till the evening. Okay. And this time it was seven 30. They were all bedded. They're all quiet. Oh like, wow. This is, this is kind of different, you know? Um, so we sat in the truck all day long because we didn't have a camp with us. <laughs> yeah. We drove, drove down the mountain to get some service so we could do something, you know, Yeah. Uh, headed back up there that evening. We were sitting in the same meadow that I shot my bull at. And, uh, I had this nice raghorn 
I quotations there. On that nice <laughs> rag on, yeah. you know. I had him come and stop at 55 yards, but he knew I was there. He was looking me dead in the eyes. I was like, dude, I can't draw. Like I'm going to spook him if I draw. Uh-huh. So that kind of shot that weekend. And then uh, the following weekend. So the third weekend, the 15th of September is when other hunters, the rifle hunters that choose to hunt archery, they can come in as well. Okay. So that's what's unique about this area is that they have the first 15 days of the year that is only archery hunters. Okay. My tag was archery only. It stopped September 30th and then I was done. And if you draw another tag, you can hunt archery from the 15th through the 31st or 30th, whatever it is, if you choose. And then you got the whole year to hunt or the rest of the season to hunt with a rifle. Okay. Wow. So yeah, it was really unique in that way. I mean, I was up there with only like 48 other guys, I mean, that had tags. So it was really low pressure through archery season. Okay. Um, so anyway, that third weekend, um, we get up there early in the morning. And I mean, I step out of the truck, I shut my door and bam, they're already bugling. I was like, okay, all right, this, this is going to be a good get week. Amped up. Yeah. I mean, we're right on the road and I'm like, okay, we can hear them. Let's, let's get after it. Uh, so we get out into that meadow and we see this really, really nice bull. I was like, okay. As soon as you get out of the truck? We'd walked in probably half a mile at that okay. point, half a mile road. So not far at all. You know, we see this nice bull. He's got two cows with him. Um, I had actually drawn on this bull the weekend before he was at 80 yards. Oh, wow. And I just never, I never had a good opportunity. Like I, I'm comfortable 80 yards is probably about my max, but I'm comfortable shooting at 80 yards. Okay. Um, but he just never gave me an opportunity. He was hot on those cows. And so this weekend, it was still before shooting light. We could see him running around out in the meadow. So we kind of went off to this clump of trees and we were calling at him, trying to get him to come in. He was at like 115 yards. And he just kind of branches off into the, the new growth um, with, his, with his cows. And so I'm looking back at my roommate who was calling. He was like 20 yards behind me. And uh, apparently, he'd been trying to get my attention because this other little tiny raghorn was like 13 yards and I never heard him. I never <laughs> saw him. He came in right behind me and it's still, it's still just a little bit like two or three minutes before shooting light. And, uh, I finally see him. I mean, I felt like I could have touched him with a stick, you know, <laughs> Jeez. and, uh, so I, I'm turning really slow. I get one foot around and as I'm getting my second foot around so I can draw, yep. he kind of busts out. He busts out to like 50 yards. I'm like, okay, I, got, I can shoot a bullet 50 yards. Like I said, I'd shoot anything bigger than a spike. <laughs> and uh, so I got my rangefinder on him at 50. And I kind of take a step out from this tree that I was behind. And he bumps like five yards. I'm like, okay, he's probably at 55, you know? Yep. Anyway, every five seconds, he just moved back another five yards. So I was like, okay, he's probably sitting about 60, 62, somewhere in there. So I let one go and uh, went right under him. I was like, oh, ah, shit. Okay. So I'm like, learn, learn a little something there, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that was, on, that was on Sunday morning. 
of the third weekend. And then uh, I went out. I don't have classes on Thursday afternoons. So the following Thursday, I was like, all right, let's let's just go see what's up there this evening and kind of make a game plan for the weekend as to where they're at, what they're doing. Um, and we knew this trail they used every morning, every evening to get down to the meadows. I'm like, let's go sit there. And so we get there, we get kind of set up, got a good spot out of the wind because it was windy that weekend or that Thursday, I guess. Um, okay. And we sat there from five to seven, didn't hear anything, didn't see anything. We, we heard one bugle and I was like, uh, it, it sounded like a hunter. Yep. And, uh, and this was the point, this was the 16th. So there was those rifle guys that were up there and at seven o'clock, I'm like, all right, let's kind of head back down to the meadow and we'll, we'll glass this area that we've been seeing them. And if we don't see anything, don't hear anything, whatever, we'll head back down and come back up for the weekend. And, uh, we get down back kind of into the meadow and I hear a bugle. I'm like, okay, this is good. So we move towards it a little bit and I'm cow calling back to him and I hear another or hear a bugle again. And I'm like, no, that's not an elk. Like that's a hunter. (laughs) So we ended up calling this hunter into us. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So we talked to him for three or four minutes and he's like, ah, you know, I was out here last night. Anyway, we went our separate ways and I was like, okay, let's just, let's just check this spot and we'll, we'll get out of here before it's too dark. And, uh, so we get to this meadow. This is where I was sitting the first weekend. Um, there's some wallows in there. I know that they're using them. It had rained the weekend before. So the wallows were full and, uh, we get out there and we're glassing. I'm like, there's, there's nothing here tonight, you know? And we're like, we'll bugle once, see if we can get any kind of reply. And if not, we'll head out. Um, so we did. And bam, we hear him. And it's 10 minutes to shooting light at this point. Like, oh, damn. Almost out of time. Um, so I'm like, I'm looking at my roommate and I'm talking to him. And I'm like, okay, we know he's here. We know he's going to be here tomorrow night. Like, let's not bust him out of here. Let's just head back to the truck and we'll kind of make a game plan for tomorrow. And I'm telling him that. And then I take off walking and not towards the truck. I could take off walking towards the, the elk. I don't know what it was in my head that was like, now we're going to go anyway, even though I just said that, you know, uh-huh. I'm like, shit, we got 10 minutes. So we're almost sprinting across this meadow. <laughs> and right when I see him, thank God we were on the edges of the trees. So we could kind of get tucked back in there a little bit. Um, I stuck my roommate like 30 yards behind me to call. And this bull is just, I mean, he's just, cruising. He's not in any kind of hurry. He's not really stopping and eating though either. He's just kind of walking. And uh, I finally get a good look at him. I'm like, yeah, like I'd shoot that bull for sure. And he stops at 72 yards. And I'm like, dude, I got two minutes till it's past shooting light. Like I don't feel comfortable making a shot that far when it's this dark. And so my roommate bugles and he had just started bugling, like practicing his bugling like that morning. <laughs> and uh, so he lets out this bugle and in my head, I'm going, Oh my God, dude, this <laughs> thing is going to bust. It's going to be gone forever. You know, yeah. and that dumbass walks right to me. I was like, okay, here we go. Damn. So I got, you know, got an arrow knocked, got my rangefinder up. I got him at 55 
And the coolest part of this whole experience was being able to put what I've learned from the last two weekends, put it all together, you know, make it all work out. So I'm like, okay, I know he knows we're here. He doesn't know what we are and he can, he can see us. He's looking right in our direction. But I'm like, no matter what, I'm going to draw. Okay. Like, I'm not going to be worried that he's going to bust. Like, I'm just going to draw. And then, I had him at 55 and he was still walking. So I'm like, okay, I put my rangefinder at 50 or my, my sight at 50. And I was like, okay, like, let's do it. And then I stopped and I was like, nope, I screwed that up last weekend. I'm going to range him again and keep <laughs> ranging him until he stops. So he stops at 40 yards. I mean, it was oh, picture wow. perfect. And I got a minute to shooting light. <laughs> oh, and, shit. Uh, yeah, he stopped at 40, ranged him, drew back and let one go. And as soon as it hit, or the you know the the milliseconds that your arrows in the air at forty yards, I was like, dude, I rushed that shot, like I screwed that up. And as soon as I heard it hit, I was like, no, no, that was a good one. Yeah, I bet that was a good feeling. He didn't move, so no? I was like, shit, dude, like what's going on? So I I knock another arrow, and by the time I had knocked another arrow and pulled my rangefinder up, like he had walked fifteen yards back around, and just plopped over. Damn. Good shot. That was it. Yeah, had to be a really good shot. Didn't know what hit him. So a minute left. Yeah, crunch time. (laughs) Right there. I bet your heart was racing at that moment. Wow. I I was actually pretty calm. My roommate was shaking and screaming. (laughs) Everything else, you know, once he went down, but I was still like in the moment, like dialed in. Like you're in. If I gotta put another arrow in him, like I'm gonna do it. Like still kind of in that mindset. And then once he went down and he was kicking, we gave him, I don't know, we watched him go down. So we gave him 10 minutes and I was like, all right, now I can relax. And Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, it looked like a beautiful bull. Yeah, he was, he was pretty sweet. Did you so, score it at all or anything or no? No, I, I didn't. Um, I knew that it wasn't anything that big. Um, and, you know, we're joking on the way as we're packing out and I'm like, Dude, if anything, if any kind of bull came into that bugle, because we were like, ah, you know, we should have given, given him a year. I was like, if if any bull came into that bugle, he wasn't going to last through this. <laughs> yeah. I know how that goes. Not <laughs> not elk, but <laughs> sometimes when I'm out in the deer stand, it's like, God, I'm sick of sitting out here. I don't care what it looks like. I thought you were going to say your goose calling. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. That goose comes in at, in my, my calling, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, must have gear. You know, is there any must haves that off the top of your head for elk hunting? Uh, um, you know, people can say talking about your your bow and your arrows and what broadheads you shoot. You can spend all this money, and I I kind of fell into that a little bit this year. I bought a a one year old Matthews. Okay, um, and. The bow that I had before that was the 2008 Hoyt. And, you know, the technology that changed in those 12 years was insane. (laughs) Um, So I I love my setup. But the the main thing that I say is just as long as you trust your gear, like there's been Native Americans out here killing things with sticks and rocks (laughs) for hundreds of years. Like if you got, if you got any kind of compound bow or whatever bow you're comfortable with, like you can make it happen. Yeah. I like, I like how you said that, you know, a lot of people do get caught up on, you know, you watch 
you search up, you know, what do I need for this? And they're like, oh, you need the best of the best. You know, if you don't have yeah. this, you're not killing an elk. Yeah. But like you said, you know, it's just what I like how you put that, what you're comfortable with, what you feel strongest with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess the, the, the main thing that I would say is that have a, a bino harness that you, that you love. I got a new one this year. Um, what kind do you have? The Alaskan guidewear. Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of those. Yeah. I've heard of those. Yeah. Those are pretty nice. But, uh, yeah, I just shoot the, the base or I have the baseline vortex glass, um, a decent range finder. And then, but as long as you got a good one of those, you got spot that you're comfortable moving your range finder in and out of, you got your wind checker in there. Like, especially when you're archery hunting, you know, mm-hmm. that's the, that's the one thing that I would say, have a good one of those. So, yeah, I like that. Cause what I, made you decide like that? Bino harness over others. I mean, I think there's a lot of bino harnesses on the market. Is that a magnetic? Is that a magnetic one or no? Is that a clip? That one, one is is not. It's just a little bungee cord. Yep. Um, so the one thing that I love about it is that uh, it closes down, kind of covers over the top of your binos. I had a harness for the last two or three years that was a Badlands one, and it only had one pocket and it closed up. And I noticed a couple times, like you're in the moment, you're got your binos out and you drop them back in, but you just, you forget to close that, uh, that flat back up. And then you go to bend over and pick up your bow or your rifle or something. Bam, your binoculars fall out. You're like, ah, you know, that's not supposed to happen with these things. So this one, uh, it closes down and it's got a great pocket for a range finder and, good spot for wind checker and my diaphragm calls and all that kind of stuff. So for like scouting, we can kind of go back to scouting. So was it just like a couple weeks before a season was you first going out or like as soon as you drew the tag, did you go out and scout? I don't know. Did you, and like, did you run any trail cameras or is that anything you guys do at all out in Wyoming? There, there's definitely a lot of guys that do run trail cameras. Um, I was on public land, so I'm a little bit skeptical about it, especially yep. because it's not like, you're close to civilization at that point. Like it's easy for someone just to snag it, take off with it. Um, so I found out that I drew this tag early June, but I was still living up in Sheridan. I went home for the summer. Okay. So it's a four, it'd probably be about a five hour drive to get up to that spot from home. Um, so I really didn't do any scouting until I had moved back down here for the school year. Um, but this year I'm going to stay down here this summer. So if I do end up drawing, this tag or another tag down here again, um, I'll definitely put, put more time into scouting. I think it's really important. Yeah. Especially like when you're trying to judge like caliber bulls and all that kind of stuff and know the terrain yeah. better. The terrain is the biggest thing for yeah. me. Just knowing where they're going to be, knowing what's going to be the hard parts to hunt, the easy parts to hunt, what's going to get pressure. You know, once you're out here for a while, you can kind of judge that stuff off of just driving around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess that's kind of all I have for at least scouting wise. That's yeah. kind of something different for us, at least. Yeah, Rice, you've been kind of quiet. Got anything to say over there? I don't know. Thinking about birds, probably. <laughs> what, uh, what camel do you run? He's a big gear. I use the, uh, the King's camo. I use their desert shadow pattern. Um, I think they're a, they're a very high quality uh, 
gear, like material, that kind of thing. Yeah. But they're way less expensive than your Kuyu or your Sitka and that kind of stuff. So Rice is in some Sitka right now. <laughs> I, <like that. laughs> I, I, I saw that before we started. I, love, I was going to give him shit. But. <laughs> so are you doing a lot of like layering then? Yeah. Yeah. Especially your, your late season um, elk hunts. It can be 65 degrees during the day and it can be five degrees at night, you know? Oh, wow. So, so when you went out, was there a big temperature change from like the early morning to, I suppose you weren't hunting much midday, but as it warmed up in the day? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, this year was really hot. Um, especially that weekend that I was out scouting, but then the weekends, especially when we're down in that meadow where there's a lot of moisture, it'd be 35 degrees in there in the morning and then it'd be 70 during the day. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. The layering probably is pretty important so you can shed a couple. Definitely. Yeah. And having room in your pack to throw that stuff. And Yeah. Yeah. That is a big deal. Having all that, you know, planning ahead, making sure you have enough room in your pack to <laughs> shed all those clothes. How about like what pack were you running? I have the mystery ranch. Something sawtooth, sawtooth 45. Okay. Yeah. That's what I, I, I bought one of those this year and I'm really happy with it. Freaking love it. I just, this was the first year I'd used it. I ordered it last summer. Really? So I was going to use it for my hunt last year. Yep. Uh, they were just out of stock for so long that I waited three months and I was, my elk hunt was over by the time I got it. So this year, first year that I really used it, I did use it in Arizona, I guess, but down there you're in machines a lot driving around. So I just, mm-hmm. I would leave it in the machine and then it just me and my bow and I'd go out after him. So. Because yeah, I've had mine for quite a while and it's just been sitting in my room because, you know, I, there's not much use for it around here. Everything's, you know, you walk to a deer stand, you don't go very far. But recently I've been using it for deer hunting, hunting, and I love it. You know, just packing something extra you may need or something like that. I really like it a lot. It's expensive up front, mm-hmm. but dude, it was worth every single penny on, yeah. on that pack out. It's got... It's got that room where it expands and you can put meat in there. And it was, it was awesome. How did you think it handled the weight then? Was it like pretty, pretty comfortable still? I mean, obviously it's a heavy load, but. Oh yeah. Um, compared to the pack that I had been running, it was, it was night and day. (laughs) Um, I bet. So that's, uh, (sighs) gear and stuff like that, you know, that's one thing that I will spend the extra dollar on just Definitely. because I know that it's going to be worth it. Same with boots. I bought a $400 pair of boots this year and I was like, you, you wear them every day and you put on 10 plus miles a day. Like you want to have good boots. Yeah. So, I mean, it sucks initially, but your, yeah. your feet will thank you for it. Yep. Exactly. And there's reason like guys like you are saying like, spend good money on pack, spend good money on footwear because I mean, you guys are out there doing it. So you guys definitely know for sure. Yeah, you get a shitty pack and you're hiking 10 miles in a day with, you know, all your gear in it and then your bow or your rifle on top of that. It it sucks by the end of the day, basically. Yeah, another thing about the packs, uh, originally Ethan let me borrow, I can't remember what. It's just like a cheap, like Amazon hiking pack. Yeah, it's a, a cheap, yeah, cheap pack. And I was, I took it out and practiced with it and oh my God, my shoulders hurt so bad after it. And I was like, geez, this kind of sucks. And then I got that mystery ranch pack and it's like just the, how comfortable you are while you're hiking is a really big difference. Well, oh, like, yeah. like from an outside perspective, you're like, oh, it's just a backpack. Like how could it be made that different? 
But like mm-hmm. once you put that mystery ranch on, you're like, wow, that's like a totally different world you're entering into. Yeah. Yeah. And you buy them initially and you're like, oh, it's kind of, kind of weird. And then they almost form like to you and they yeah. fit, fit yeah. you specifically. So, um, yeah, that first load out was, was rough because I had a front quarter. I had all the extra cuts and then I had, um, the head on there too. And, no, no, no. I just had the extra cuts in the head and, uh, I couldn't get that head to sit up high enough. And you know, it's, it was probably, I shot it at seven thirty or seven forty or seven thirty nine Cause shooting light was seven forty. Yep. Um, and, uh, we started our first load out at like 11, I think. Oh, wow. And I made the mistake of not checking my headlight before we left. So definitely <laughs> oh. do that every single day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have a rechargeable head, one? It was just, it was just broken. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're cutting this thing up and skinning it and quartering it and getting everything uh, done there on one headlight. And uh, I knew I had another light back in the truck. So I was like, as long as we can make it on our first load, like <laughs> yeah. we'll be good, you know? And uh, it, yeah, it was me sitting on the ground, throwing my pack on and then getting help up from my roommate so I could stand. And then that I had that head sitting so low that I walked at like a 90 degree bent over <laughs> for a mile and a half and it, it sucked. Yeah, I bet. How much but weight this, do you think you're carrying? Um, so I had, I think I totaled it up at like 135. Jeez. That's a heavy load. Once I got back after that first load, I was able to take everything out of my pack. Um, mm-hmm. all my, all my knives, all of my just extra odds and ends shit, the spotting scope that, that all that little stuff that just adds up and makes it, makes it heavy. Yeah. So my second load, I threw on both front quarters. It was money it was an easy walk you know <laughs> yeah let me ask you luke what's your dream hunt what's at the top of your list <sighs> like like area species that kind of thing or i guess anything anything pretty broad que- yeah pretty broad question yep i i i freaking love elk hunting like yeah i, I absolutely love especially archery because you're in the middle of the rut you got bulls just screaming around you they're fighting they're doing all that stuff um and when you're in the middle of all of that it's like that that fulfillment feeling that you get yeah. um so i don't even know just um, a, just a bigger bull maybe yeah yeah just <laughs> yeah. different areas across the state um i would love to do a mule deer hunt in southeastern montana um i've just seen a lot of videos of guys doing that um and i i love the mule deer hunt too so okay um, especially with a bow it's it's really really hard to hunt mule deer with a bow so <laughs> yeah i bet so are you building points all over then or is it just like you're just sticking to wyoming for now or for now yeah i'm yeah. just sticking to wyoming yeah. I'm, why do you need to leave bu- <laughs> <laughs> building points in wyoming um, for moose and bighorn sheep, but uh, we we kind of got screwed when we moved here, okay? Because we'd been building up points in Wyoming for like five years for mule deer and elk. Yep. And then we move here, and we didn't think anything of them. You live here for a year, you get your residency, and then as soon as you click yes, I'm a resident, those points disappear. 
like oh, that. Wow. So what? we had I didn't all know this that. money built up in points and yeah, we just didn't even cross our minds. So, you know? so wasted like five years. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, thought they would yeah. like roll those points over or something. That sucks. Damn. They, they normally would, but when you're a resident, you can't put in and build up points for like antelope, deer, elk. Like that's just, there's no point system for those when you're a resident. Only moose and bighorn sheep. So is, is it, goat. there's no like draw units even for a resident in Wyoming? There's definitely draw units. Okay. There's just no points. Oh, no points. Okay. So it's purely lottery. Uh, yep. I see. Can be a 3% draw or an 8% draw, but Jeez. that's what it is. Like, yeah. Wow. Because when you're, when you're talking like your elk tag, is that just a general season tag? Like you can hunt anywhere with that tag or no? Like for um, a resident? So mine last year and this year, last year was like a 33% draw and this year was like a 35% draw. Damn, you're pretty lucky though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've blessed like two years for sure. Um, so yeah, there's, there's quite a few general units, but then a lot of them are draw too. So. Well, if you ever draw that, that sheep tag or moose tag, it's going to be a sweet hunt. Yeah. yeah for sure. 20 years, but. <laughs> is that yeah. what it, is that what it is for a resident too? Yeah. Pretty much. Wow. That's a long yeah, time. That's a, a long time to wait around, but it's definitely worth it. And it's good to start building up those points now. I mean, theoretically, I could be hunting them when I'm 40. Mm-hmm. You wait till you're 40 and then you're 60 trying to hike around the high country and it doesn't go so well. Yeah. For anyone listening, you know, if you want a backcountry hunt, the biggest piece of advice, I mean, I don't have much experience, but just in general, you know, buy points now if it's something you yeah. think you want to do. Yep. Cause like you said, it's, you know, you want to start hunting when you're 40 out West, you know, it's almost a little late. Yeah, exactly. Do you have, uh, any recommendations for new hunters wanting to pursue elk? In general, just, uh, you know, you can watch all the, the YouTube in the world mm-hmm. and you can, you can, you can learn a shitload from YouTube videos and watching those guys hunt. But uh, I guess the best piece of advice is just get out and do it. You know, that's, that's where you're going to learn the most. You're going to learn their habits. You're going to learn all that kind of stuff. So just, just get out and do it. Yeah. Cause I, I guess, you know, like you said, you can watch all the YouTube videos in the world, but depending, they're not going to be like, Oh, you're hunting this unit. You should hunt right here. Yeah. Yeah. Got to be out there and X, Y, and Z scenario, like how you should set up or what you should do in this scenario. I mean, there's just nothing that can replicate that really. Yeah. Like you say, there's no, there's no perfect way to watch and then go and do like, you just got to learn for yourself. You don't know how you're going to react in certain situations until you're there, you know? Mm -hmm. So definitely. Yeah. It's like one thing, you know, just like drawing like a cow tag and like going on a cow hunt, just going to be a good experience being out there and just learn a lot about just, hiking around the mountains stuff and yeah that's just it you know everyone always asks me they go so you're seriously going on that hunt and i said yeah well i already got the tag for it and they well what do you what do you do if you don't get an elk (laughs) and i don't get an elk yeah yeah just the experience yeah Yeah. just the experience being out there and like you said you learn from it for next time time yep yeah i mean like that's the reason we're out there but it's like not the whole reason and it's like not necessarily like the defining factor of the trip at all Mm -hmm. is what i would say oh for sure yeah yeah the uh, it's it's cool that you two are going together 
because um, even just those couple of days that I was out there by myself, I was just like, I love hunting and I love the pursuit of an animal and I love archery hunting and the intensity that you get. Um, but more than anything, I love the the camaraderie of it, being with your buddies when you're out there. Like that's just, that's what, that's what makes a good hunt. Yeah. And I'm really glad Ethan was willing to go, even though he didn't draw and I wish rice would, was going too, but you know, that'll all work out in the future. But I mean, it definitely, it'd be very intimidating if you didn't have a buddy going with you, you know, these first few years you're starting into the back country. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How about like people your age, Luke, or at college? Is there a lot of people that hunt? Yeah, there, there are really quite a few. Um, I think, you know, I got, I got buddies at home that do it, but then, um, down here, there's a lot of guys that, that go, um, and they only hunt the general units. Um, and even people that I work with, I work at a physical therapy clinic, um, in town here and getting close with those guys simply because we both really love to hunt. Like, so there is That's quite cool. a few. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool to see like people are out there. I think like in the Midwest, I mean, it's like from our perspective, it feels like numbers are kind of going down like with new hunters and everything. And we got, we got stopped by the other day. It was, it was your neighbor, wasn't it Jackson? Yeah. Oh, he was a neighbor. Old duffer. <laughs> yeah. He stopped by just say, love seeing young hunters out. Yeah. You know, it was a good feeling. Yeah. Especially young hunters that are out there and, and doing it right. You know? Yep. There's, yep. there's always going to be those guys that are not, and then are just out there to fuck around and. Yeah. And cheat the system. Yeah, exactly. Shed hunting is a big, big issue with that out here. Guys really? cheating the system. Yeah. What what do you mean by like cheating the system at least? So, um, there's a lot of like elk reserves that don't allow human access from like middle of November till the middle of say April or May or June even. Oh, it's cause like calf, calf and season, right? Gives them place. Yep. To calf to winter. Um, they're usually like in the foothills of the mountain so they can get off the top of the mountain where there's 20 feet of snow and they can't find grass and then they can get down into those foothills and, actually have something to eat. Um, but yeah, especially for those later ones, like some of them open May 1st or May 15th, even June 15th. There's so many guys that'll go in before and either pile all the sheds and then go in and grab them opening day, or they'll just bring them out or they'll fly drones over them and find them and do it that way. Wow. So yeah, it's a, it's a big, big deal out here right now. You found any good sheds? I have, I found a couple. Yeah. I went out last year and I put in like 45 miles in four days. Jeez. And uh, I didn't find one. Like I found this little dinky whitetail shed. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Dude, come on. But it's, uh, it's, that's another huge learning experience. A guy I work with finds a bunch every year. Like he makes three grand off just selling his sheds every year, you know? What? <laughs> yeah. And is uh, that just is that elk sheds or mule yeah, sheds or anything? Both, yeah. yeah um, wow. For the wow. elk though, they sell them per pound. So, uh, yeah, you can make stupid money off of it if you know where you're going, but it just takes time to learn those areas. So, I guess this might be a dumb question, but like, what are those people doing with those sheds? Like, they just collect them or they use them for like crafts or like, what's the draw for those sheds like that? 
So guys like you and me, they go out and find them. Most of the time you sell them. There's people that come through um, from, you know, wherever, basically they make a, they have a route that they go through and they just buy a whole bunch of sheds and then they sell them to people. Yeah. Making crafts, doing that kind of thing. Um, There's medicines that are made with it. There's a whole bunch of shit. So really, it seems like a weird market, I guess. It, it like, is. Yeah. It's, it's unique and not a lot of people know about it. So keep, yeah. keep it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, that's the thing. Uh, when it's like a natural resource that people are making money off of it, so you can get exploited pretty easily. Yeah. It's been a big, big, big blow up in that, in that market, even in the last three years, people that are just out there. And I mean, I do it. I, I've never sold a shed. I just go out there and I love, I just love finding it. It's like, it's almost like, killing uh killing anything with your bow like dude, <laughs> almost I, as good i freaking hiked 10 miles to find this one little dink shed and i am pumped you know i'm the first <laughs> yeah. human to ever touch this thing like <laughs> yeah that's a good way of thinking about it yeah physical fitness was like that a pretty big factor like do you think you were in shape for hunting season or anything like that yeah it's a it's a it's a big big factor when you're out here um and don't be like intimidated by it or anything to any new hunters or any anybody coming from the Midwest out here. Um, but, uh, you know, you can be physically fit there and then you come out here and you're hiking at nine, 10,000 feet and you're like, damn, this sucks. Like, I mean, I, I was definitely in some scenarios this year and last year where I'm like, I think I'm in good shape. And then you get to the side of a mountain and you're like, I have to be to the top of that before dark. And it it sucks the entire way up there, especially when you got a heavy pack and all that kind of stuff, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have someone like Luke, you know, like you join us and talk to us, you know, cause like you say, you're probably like a pretty average Joe guy and you were still able to go and kill an elk and yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome to see. Yeah. I mean, I, I do put time into making myself physically fit, but I'm not like, like, I'm I'm no Cameron Haynes. I'm not out there every single day running a marathon, you not know. Hammering all the time. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. Just uh just let me let me know about that that Colorado hunt if you guys need any help or I would freaking love to come down and just get back out there again. So yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. It'd be yeah. a cool experience for me. I've never hunted in Colorado, so can't be too yeah. different than here. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we draw some uh some elk tags, maybe in Wyoming one day and we'll give you a call. And oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I got to start getting, adding up some points. Yeah. Hurts a bank account, but nice when you draw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's some units that, you know, two, three points in your, you're in it pretty easy. So yep. we'll have to, we'll have to talk a little bit later. I know, I, I know of one specific unit that, that might work out. So. All right. Okay. That's perfect. That sounds sweet. Well, uh, thanks for joining us today, Luke. We really appreciate you taking some time to talk to us. Uh, maybe we'll get you on for another podcast, kind of like just talking about your prep for the season or any tags you draw. For sure. Yeah, just, yeah. just an that. update in the future. Yeah, that was a really cool story listening to it because yeah. obviously we don't have anything close to that around here. Get out and do it. I like that. Thanks, guys. Thanks.